This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and... 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. I've worked with influencers where I paid... 10 grand to an influencer with a million followers with the same engagement rates of someone with 10 million followers. I paid 10 grand to each of them. The one with 10 million followers got us two sales. The one with 10 million followers and high engagement and a well-known like household name influencer, two sales. The one with 1 million followers and actually slightly lower engagement rate, same exact identical target audience, identical, got us 65 sales. So it's like, that's, that's going to happen. You <laughs> never insane. know what's going to happen. It's like the wild west with influencers. You have no idea what's going to happen. So with influencers, please, like, don't just aimlessly go spend 10 grand on every influencer you meet. You need to test the waters. You need to gauge their audience. Welcome to The Real Reel, where I take you behind the Instagram reel and into the real lives of entrepreneurs, content creators, and anyone who inspires me and may inspire you too. I'm your host, Natalie Barbu, and let's get into it. Well, hello, Lisa. Thank you so much for coming on my podcast. Thank you for having me, Natalie. I'm excited to be here. Me too. I'm very excited also because recently in the past like month or so, <laughs> I just had my first bump and blend smoothie, and I think it's such a genius idea. <laughs> Thank you. It's a game changer, right? It, especially if you're someone who really loves smoothies in the morning, it just totally changes it. Well, it does because I never have ingredients for a smoothie. So I don't carry like a ton of fruit. I don't have, you know, a bunch of bags of frozen fruit in my freezer. I don't have like bananas always on hand. Like mm -hmm. I just don't have that many ingredients. And that's what prevents me from making smoothies. And so I'll go and I'll buy a smoothie for like $14 and then I get mad at myself for doing that. So I just like, <laughs> this just makes life easier. Yeah, it definitely brings the experience of like the really decadent, amazing smoothie that you pay like 20 bucks for at Air One like, to your kitchen. It's just, it's super easy and fast. So I'm really happy to fill that hole in people's lives. Yeah, definitely. And I love interviewing founders on the podcast. I've interviewed a ton of founders, a bunch of entrepreneurs, and I always kind of like bringing it back to where it started. So were you someone that always were like experimenting in the kitchen? Were you always, you know, cooking or making these like decadent smoothies? Or were you more like business minded? And this was just a business idea that kind of came to life? Or a little bit of both? A little, a little of everything. It very much came super organically in the sense that like I was not, I have no business background. I have no marketing background. I have no CPG background. So me deciding to start a frozen food brand was like 
in retrospect, really kind of dumb, but super fun because I got to do everything in a way that nobody else has done it before. But my background personally, taking it way back, I never even had healthy food growing up. Like I grew up in an Oreo mac and cheese household in the nineties. Like I had never even tried a tomato until grad school. And so for me, I was pre-med, I wanted to be a doctor. And then when I started interning at hospitals, I learned that like doctors really are not it. Like they are not doing any of the cool, innovative stuff that is actually changing people's lives for the better. It's a lot of like taking care of people once they're already sick. And so I got really into research when I was pre-med at USC and, and researching longevity and how to extend the human lifespan and getting into where is the research really exciting and cutting edge when it comes to like actually changing people's lives and everything was in nutrition it was like no brainer and this was way back before that was obvious like the, uh, not to age myself but like this was before kale hit it big and so i got really into nutrition and then i learned what a dietitian was and so i actually became a registered dietitian got my master's in public health and nutrition and worked one on one with patients i did a lot of research on longevity and fasting and preterm infants and cancer, all of it. Like I just really, my background is in science, nutrition, and research. I worked for a scientific wellness startup as well. And got to work one-on-one with people to really personalize the foods that they were eating to target specific areas of health. And that is kind of where Bump and Blends started to come to fruition because I myself at that point was eating really healthy and really using foods to biohack my personal life and body. Like if I was feeling really cranky and moody, I would eat certain foods that help balance your hormones and your mood. If I was feeling anxious, I'd eat foods for anxiety. If I couldn't sleep, foods for sleep. And so I started to put all these into smoothies, especially when I was pregnant and I had like every symptom under the sun and I just like felt my body rejecting me. I used smoothies every day to manage that. And my friends were like, can you make that smoothie for me, please? Like, can you make that cookie dough smoothie that helps balance mood? Like I'm getting my period tomorrow, please. Like, and then my husband was like drinking them. He's like, these really work. You have something here. And my family is a lot of entrepreneurs. So I kind of had that spirit in me and I just started making smoothies for the neighborhood and then for all of LA and then all of California. And then we started shipping nationwide. Now everyone drinks our smoothies. It's pretty cool. When you were starting to make these smoothies, were you pre-freezing them like the concept of bump and blends or were you just someone that like had these ingredients on hand and made them every day I actually when I was a dietitian used to tell my clients who would say that they didn't have time for breakfast in the morning to meal prep smoothies by pouring it into ice cube trays and then blending it in the morning to save them time and a lot of people who try to be healthy especially those who are like just learning about healthy foods you know, buying bags of spinach, buying all these ingredients, it always goes to waste, always ends up having to be thrown away. And so when you batch make your smoothies in advance, you know, you get to actually use the spinach before it starts judging you in the back of your fridge. And so I kind of had the idea from what I used to tell my clients. And then I was like, if I were business minded in any way, these would definitely be a powder-based product (laughs) because shipping frozen is like not a game I recommend for anyone trying to get into food. And so if I was business-minded, they'd be powder-based. But because my priority is the quality and the nutrition and the fact that they actually do what they say they're going to do, that just doesn't exist in a powder. So my top Mm -hmm. priorities for the business were like, they need to taste amazing and they need to actually work and be made with like real food. There needs to be like actual raw spinach in the blender 
frozen immediately to actually work. Because if you're using like dehydrated vegetable powder, like enzyme powder, like that's not going to do anything for you. And so for me, the top priority was the nutrition. And so freezing it into cubes, like this kind of came about very organically because I was only worried about the nutrition element. Yeah. And terrible so you, business choice. <laughs> when you first started, then I know that you said first it was like for your friends and the neighborhood, then LA. When did you realize hmm, this could be a business? Was it once your friends were asking you or like at what moment did you realize you're going to take the next step and try to actually sell these? I think my, <laughs> it was kind of embarrassing for my husband, but oh well. So I was pregnant. And when you're pregnant, you have a lot of trouble going to the bathroom. It's like very, you know, challenging. And so I had made a smoothie that my friends had laughably called the booty blaster because it was like more effective than (laughs) anything you've ever tried to go to the bathroom. It's like a few sips of this and you're like, whoa, okay. And so I was drinking it. I'm like chugging it because I'm eight months pregnant at this point. And I'm just like, need all the help I can get. My husband (laughs) comes in. He's like, ooh, a smoothie. He took one sip of this smoothie and like bolted to the bathroom (laughs) and he texted me and he goes that like, I don't know what to do because that smoothie was one of the best things I've ever tasted. And I cannot take another sip because it's too effective. And he's like, you could like market it. You need to sell this. Like, cause you know, a lot of people will take fiber supplements or like Metamucil, whatever. And mind you, this was like a few years ago. So it was, I feel like fiber supplements is having a much bigger, cool moment now. But at the time, like options were pretty limited when it came to like what you could do that would actually work. And so he was like, this works better than all of that. And it's so delicious. You like want to keep drinking it even after it works. And he's like, you've got something here. And so we kind of decided that, and I, I really personally hated my job just because it was a startup and it was like a startup with like $70 million in funding. And I was a pretty early hire there and they were very much kind of, I was watching them drive it into the ground and I kept trying to speak mm-hmm. up. I kept trying to be like, we got to do this. we got to do that. Like, what are we doing here? And everyone was like, stick to what you're good at. Everly. Like, come on, like go, go back to your desk. And, and so I was like, I don't want to go back to work after I have my baby. I, I knew I didn't like it there. And so my husband and I were kind of like, okay, we'll take 15 K out of our savings and your maternity leave, you pop this baby out, sit at home on the couch, build this business. And if you have something with legs at the end of your maternity leave, and you've made money from the 15k that you invested, then don't go back to work. And then if at the end of the maternity leave, I kind of didn't really have anything and didn't want to keep doing it, then I would go back to work. Uh, And I never went back to work. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn can be in your hands today as it should with Earnin. Earnin is an app that is changing the game when it comes to getting paid. Imagine having access to the money you've earned as you work, not just waiting for payday. With Earnin, you can access up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Just download the Earnin app and verify your paycheck. Then access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tip are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So think about it. The next time you're planning a special night out, you need a last minute gift for a loved one, or you face an unexpected expense, like maybe a trip to the vet. 
Earnin has you covered. For me, it's about having the flexibility to handle those surprise expenses that life throws my way. So whether it's unexpected bills or needing to cover rent when things are tight, Earnin gives me peace of mind knowing that I have access to my hard-earned cash when I need it most. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability, security. It gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type Real Real under podcast when you sign up. It really helps the show, so please don't forget that step. Real Real under podcast. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Let's talk about styling hair because it is a whole production, especially when you are battling frizz. And take it from me, I live in Miami, Florida. It is about to be summer. I really know frizz, but honestly, I would rather be doing something else like booking a spontaneous vacation to St. Bart's or rewatching the Eras tour for like the third time. You know, the important stuff. But who actually has time for frizz? Introducing Way's new anti-frizz cream. It is like a superhero for your hair. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours. I actually brought it on a trip with me and my friend borrowed it and she purchased it right then and there because it was that good. So how does this fit into my hair routine? It is the best thing I could have done for my hair. I am all about saving time and the anti-frizz cream does just that. Plus the Sydney inspired North Bondi scent is so amazing. You can thank bergamot, Italian lemon violet and more. And as someone who is always concerned about heat damage because I definitely use a lot of heat on my hair, this anti-frizz cream provides heat protection, which is such a big relief. And my hair feels so much lighter and looks smoother after using it. Get busy being frizz free with Way's new anti-frizz cream. It's not just about taming frizz. It also provides heat protection up to 450 degrees, reduces and repairs split ends, quenches dry hair with intense hydration. And according to a consumer perception study, 90% of participants agreed that their hair looked less frizzy after using it. I can definitely contest that. And while you're at it, check out Way's other bestsellers like the leave-in conditioner, which I also use, detox shampoo, fragrances, hair oils, and hair gloss. They're all essential for achieving that salon-worthy look at home. So you can frizz-free up your schedule with Way. Go to theouai.com and enter promo code RealReal for 15% off any product. That's theouai.com, promo code RealReal. Do you recommend people to set goals like that? Like saying, okay, at this point, if I make this much money on, by this time, then I'll quit my job. Like, is that something that motivated you a lot? Or how did you come up with that number? Like, what was your process in setting yeah. that goal? It was honestly a need-based goal because like we had a new baby, we had a mortgage, like we kind of didn't really have the ability to be a one-income house. But I do think that when you're starting your own business, setting those kinds of goals are really motivating because it's hard to go from having a boss telling you what to do to all of a sudden just staring at your computer and you're like, oh, I just have to do this. And, and as an entrepreneur, you don't always know what to do and you don't always know like how to structure yourself. So you have to kind of think introspectively, like what motivates me? What keeps me going? How am I going to respond? Like I'm someone who needs like a handwritten color coded to do list. I need to be marking little check boxes. I'm like a bullet journal girl. And so for me, I knew that that sort of stuff was really motivating, but it also has to be realistic because I think the biggest difference between being like a successful entrepreneur and a failed entrepreneur is that the successful one just keeps going because you're not going to hit every goal by a long shot. 
You're going to fail over and over again. You're going to feel like you want to quit every day. At one point of the day or another, you're going to be like, ugh, I just want to go back to a nine to five. At one point of the day or some days you're going to be like, this is amazing. I'm the best. Other days you're going to feel that. And you need something to keep you going because that's how you be a successful entrepreneur. You just have to keep going. Yeah. What are some things that motivate you again? You know, like when you do feel like, oh my God, I want to go back to my nine to five. Like this is so hard. How do you kind of snap back into being like, no, this is great or I'm going to keep going? A lot of entrepreneurship in my experience has been like, how many stokes in the fire do you have going at one time? As an entrepreneur, as a startup, if you get a hundred exciting opportunities, you know, you heard back from Air One to stock your product. You are going to get this big wholesale PO. You got this major influencer talking about you. You finally got the address for the Kardashians and you're going to send them a gift bundle. You know, like all these exciting things that happen for every hundred of them that happen, maybe like five to 10 will actually pan out and like truly <laughs> see tops. <laughs> so you kind of have to have this stoicism about yourself to be like, ride those highs and celebrate them, but don't over celebrate them. Don't prematurely celebrate them. And then accept the fact that for every high, there's going to be a few lows and that's going to like, it's just part of the course. You have to know that like those things are going to happen and you're going to want to quit. That's part of it. So you need to have multiple stokes in multiple fires at each time so that you're able to have another thing that's possible to look mm -hmm. forward to, you know, and I learned this the hard way in 2020 or 2021, one of those years, I think it was 2021, we were going to be on Shark Tank and we had gotten all the way to the point where my wardrobe was on set. Like we were there, smoothies in their freezer, wardrobe on set, set built, rehearsal done, everything. All I had was my tape date. And then the Delta variant picked up and things changed and, and Sony COVID rules shifted and turned out I couldn't go on the tape. And like Shark Tank doesn't care. They film so many people. They're like, whatever. <laughs> I'm yeah. sure on the commercials. But it was like I had spent six to nine months of my day job just focused on Shark Tank. And I had put so much into that basket that when that fell through, I mean... It was rough on me. I wanted to quit so badly and I was so devastated because I had put all my eggs in that basket. I had one stoke and one fire and it was shark tape. And so when that fell through, it was just like, oh my gosh, I can't do this to myself again. I need to have at least five exciting things happening at one time. Yeah. So I guess my best advice to not get too down would be like to just view each exciting opportunity as one of your many exciting opportunities. Like don't just get lazy or complacent when you have one exciting thing in the pipeline. You should have five at one time at least. Yeah. I think that's so important to hear because so many people glamorize entrepreneurship and they act oh as gosh. if, yeah, like it's the best thing ever. Like you're CEO of a company or the founder of a company, like look at this glamorous life. I set my own hours. I'm my own boss. I've like making money, whatever. Like there's so many ways to glamorize it. And I feel like it's really damaging. So I'm also an entrepreneur myself as well. And I'm the founder of a startup. And sometimes I feel guilty for thinking that. Like I feel guilty for being like, this is so hard. Like, do I want to do this? You know? And mm -hmm. I feel bad thinking that because I'm like, no, of course I want to do this. I have a team. I like have customers. I, you know, and it's, 
I know in the back of my head, I actually want to do it. Like, it's not like I actually think I really want to quit. But there are moments, like you said, where you're like, this is hard and I don't want to do this. And do you ever feel guilty saying that? Or do you feel like, I I don't know, maybe it's something I'm like, I have to get over. I get it. Yeah, I feel so many things, especially when you pull comparison into it. That is really like they joke, you know, comparisons to the thief of all joy. But like, honestly, one of the best tips I can give an entrepreneur, especially a female entrepreneur, is to, and this is going to be the opposite advice of what most would say, don't follow other female entrepreneurs. Like, mm, why do you say I that? I know that, and this sounds so like anti-feminist, sounds so awful, but at least, how about this? know your personality and decide what to do from there. So for me, I'm someone who can get very hung up on comparisons. And like, I wish I wasn't this way, but I'll look at a female entrepreneur of another food startup and be like, oh, she's so successful. Her her company has more followers than we have on Instagram. And they're in this store and that store and we're trying to get there. And like, she raised more money than I did. And like, oh my God, look at her on like this elaborate vacation with her family. Like, oh, you know, she must pay herself more than I pay myself. You know, it's just for me, I spiral real fast. And that's when I start caring about the wrong thing. Because ultimately, it's the highlight reel, you're seeing snippets of people's life that are sometimes transparent and sometimes not. And you need to recognize that Mm -hmm. and recognize when it's worth your time and when it's not. And honestly, it's almost never worth your time. But, you know, if you're someone who feels inspired by seeing other female entrepreneurs, go for it. Personally, I don't. I feel very much like I get hung up on comparisons and I feel like I'm behind and I feel like I'm like a small nobody. And it's funny, like we just are wrapping up the Target Accelerator program. Target accepted like 10 brands to sort of mentor and accelerate and utilize their resources. And it was a fantastic program. Cannot recommend it enough for CPG brands to apply to the Target Accelerator program. But when we first got there, like our first day, I'm looking at the other nine brands alongside me and I'm like, oh my God, they're in Whole Foods. Like they're in Sprouts. Like what? Like, how did I get here? Why was I even accepted? I'm this tiny fish compared to these incredible brands. And then it was like, we had to meet one-on-one and throughout the whole program, everyone I'm talking to was like, oh my God, like you're so much further ahead than me. And your brand is so much bigger than ours. And you make, you make how much, you know, you got to peel for what? And like, it's just everyone is thinking the same thing about each other. And you just need to remind yourself that if you're ever looking at someone else, comparing yourself to them in a negative way, someone else is looking at you and doing the same thing. And so it's your responsibility to be a transparent entrepreneur and to be real with people, but also to not get hung up on what other people are doing. And not let other people get hung up on what you're doing. So I'm the founder of a tech company. And Mm. in tech, it's very male dominated. So, you know, I'm constantly talking to other like male founders. I'm constantly like comparing myself to majority like male founders. And even though I'm in the creator space, like I have a tech product for the creator economy. So for content creators, but even the creator economy, even though it's heavily like female driven, there's still majority like male co-founders and male founders mm-hmm. in this space. And so I'm always talking to them. And I feel like for some reason, the difference between male founders and female founders is like male founders really hype themselves up and like really share 
their like wins and their achievements and like how great they're doing, which there's nothing wrong with that because, you know, I'm happy that they have like that confidence and stuff. But as someone mm-hmm. who does compare, it can be really difficult to hear that and yeah. be like, oh, do I need to start like, what are they doing that I'm not doing? Or do I need to start like talking like them and being all like, I'm the boss, like I'm the best, like all this stuff, because that's just not my personality. But like, is that what I need to become to be successful like these people? A lot of times, especially in tech, people like raise so much money and then they end up like spending a ton of it and not actually generating revenue and all of this stuff. So I'm like super like hyper cautious about that. And it's just comparison, like you said, is so bad because you never actually know how their business is actually doing. And for example, like in tech, so many people will raise money, spend it. And then in 18 months, they're out of business. You worked at a startup. So you probably have seen, I don't know how that startup was doing, but you saw like how a startup works. And so mm-hmm. that's something that I'm so hyper aware of that I like, never want to be like that. And so even if it's slightly slower growth, I know that we are being smarter. I know that we're focusing on revenue. I know that we're focusing on like sustainability in terms of like being a sustainable business. And so I try just to like not follow those people and not compare myself either because at the end of the day, like you can say anything you want on a podcast. You can say anything you want on Twitter or on LinkedIn, but that's never going to affect my business. And I need to not pay attention to that because similarly to you, it does make me feel a little bit worse or it makes me feel Mm -hmm. like, wait, why are they doing better than me? Or are they doing better than me? And so I've also had to unfollow a lot of other founders. I've unfollowed a lot of other people in the space because it doesn't help me at all. And there are some great friends that I've made and like being friends with other founders is great because you can actually talk about like real stuff, how it's really going But Mm -hmm. just following these like founder influencers, I think can be difficult because Mm -hmm. a lot of times people are scared to be vulnerable and to actually share how it's really going. So like, I love that you even said like, you want to quit every single day. I'm like, that's so honest. And it's honestly refreshing. Thank you. Yeah, I totally agree. I think being friends with other founders is great. And it can be so supportive and wonderful. But yeah, when it comes to following other founders and male founders too, yeah, I'm friends with some male founders and it's like, we would go out to dinner and they're like, we're days away from needing to declare bankruptcy. Like we're days away. Like let's drink to this. This might be the last week of our company. And then like a few weeks later, I saw them posting on LinkedIn, like we just had our best month ever. And it's like, those guys were up all night for weeks working on how they were going to save the business. And luckily they did. I mean, they ended up having their best month ever because they pivoted and found some new ways to grow their, you know, different revenue channels. But, you know, it was crickets when they were like, we're going to close our doors in a few days. And it's like, wait, where was that? (laughs) Why is that just getting shared with your friends at dinner, but not like all over LinkedIn? And so, yeah, I think it's really important. And honestly, the note you mentioned on raising capital, I've been involved in one way, shape or form in two tech companies or wellness tech companies or, or Shopify app tech companies, both of which raised well over 60 million in revenue. Neither lasted longer than three years. Both of them. Yeah. And the hilarious thing was I had worked at one and then, you know, I am close to people at another one and both companies, it's funny, had raised, you know, 70 million plus in funding and neither had ever broken 
the revenue numbers that my company currently makes and we're bootstrapped. So mm-hmm. rest assured that the money someone raises means absolutely nothing about how much that company makes or how much that founder CEO makes. It means nothing. You can yep. go out and raise money on a safe round with not having to set a valuation. You can raise friends and family money. You can have rich family friends of your parents. You know, you can do all these things. You can know someone at a VC firm who believes in you. Or you can do what you need to do to to raise money. Ultimately, the only thing that raising money should say about another company that you're looking at is that that founder no longer owns 100% of that company. And so that is a lot more valuable to you. If you believe in yourself and you believe that your company is going to make it, and if you're a food product like ours that you're going to sell to you know, whatever, Nabisco or PepsiCo or what have you, or you're going to exit and, and sell to some amazing aggregate of different food companies. If you believe in yourself and you believe in your exit, you should bootstrap mm-hmm. unless yeah. you absolutely need the funding. If you cannot grow and you have a solid game plan to invest that and you feel comfortable enough with your exit that you want to give away 10, 20% of your company, what have you, go for it. But like, you shouldn't be raising money or thinking about raising money unless you absolutely need it and you have a solid game plan totally because raising too early is dumb like sorry it's dumb i i totally agree especially for a consumer product i think i think if you can start small like you don't need to start big you can start like you said selling in your neighborhood and then that can grow to selling in your city and then that can grow to selling to the state but i think Mm -hmm. a lot of people think they see people that they want to be like And they're like, I want to be there right now. So this is what I need to do. And they want to skip the beginning stages of when you're unknown, when no one knows who you are, when you're selling at farmer's markets, you know, like they want to skip that and just go straight to like Whole Foods and Target. And that, as you know, doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. And you know what? Spoiler alert. Sorry. You don't make money at Whole Foods. You don't make money in retail like that. What you need to do is make sure that you have a solid foundation with a healthy margin. Like, and bootstrapping is the best way to assure that that's going to happen. Like we've Mm -hmm. never taken capital before and we're profitable. We're in the black, we're fine. And that's because we have a solid profitable margin. And so when you're new and you're starting out, rather than thinking about how much you need to spend on marketing, how much you need to spend here, there, what have you, you need to make sure that you're able, number one, to get customers organic. It doesn't matter if it's five loyal customers, 10 loyal customers, 50, whatever. You need to have a way to get customers for free in some way, shape, or form. You don't need to be, you know, getting thousands of customers for free. That's unrealistic. But you need to have some kind of way where you're actually getting customers who believe in the product, who are loyal, who will buy again, who will tell their friends. And you didn't have to pay Meta 50 bucks per customer. So you need to have a solid game plan for acquiring customers organically. And farmers markets is a great example of how to do that. We never did that. And I honestly still to this day, despite shipping nationwide and being in retail stores later this year, like I'm still like, should we get farmers markets? Because that just sounds like a great way to get loyal customers. I love like my farmers market purchases. I'm like the most, you know, I won't buy hummus at the store. I got to buy hummus for my hummus guy at the farmers market. But anyway, you have to have that solid game plan to acquire customers profitably. And then you have to have a cost. If you're a CPG company, you need to make sure that you are making more than half of your money when the customer buys it. So if you make a product and it costs you $10 to make it, package it, everything, you need to sell it for $20. You need to be making 
super healthy margins. That makes sense. And if you haven't figured out getting customers organically and getting massive margins, you need to go back to the drawing board. Like, because raising money is not going to help you there. Because if you raise a million dollars, but you have to spend a million dollars to get that money, you're not, you're not doing anything except for moving money around and none of it's landing on you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's such good advice that so many people need to listen to. And it's something that I think, again, due to like the glamorization of being a founder, people just don't think like that. People are like, I want to have a business because it's fun and I have this good idea and I'm good at marketing. So I'm just going to like push Mm -hmm. it. But they don't actually think about the numbers. And that's like the only way that you have a business is if you are profitable or else I just think it's like a hot. Stay on top of your numbers. Oh my gosh. Stay on top of your numbers. Your numbers will change. Different things will cost different amounts of money every six months. Things, especially in the past few years, the cost of ingredients will change. The cost of materials will change. Mm -hmm. Cost of shipping will change. Things will fluctuate. You need to be on top of your numbers. Don't outsource the numbers. Like cannot say this enough. You can hire a fractional CFO. You can hire an accountant, a bookkeeper. You personally need to double check every number. You need to have spreadsheets and just schedule time on the first of every month, on the last of every month. I'm literally going to do it later today because it's the 31st to just review the numbers because it's your business. You're going to need to take full responsibility for those numbers. Like it's not sexy. It's not cute. You can't Instagram it. Do it. And I know that you were mentioning, obviously, like the customer acquisition costs and how you can not only rely on like paid advertising. What was your way of getting free customers or way of like spreading the word? Like, do you do you have anything that like really worked for you guys? So paid ads never worked really well for us. And so we were always sort of needing to do that organic route. One thing that did work well for us, and, and this is something that can tell you a lot about your product. Influencers always worked pretty well for us. And luckily, uh, we were able to work with influencers on a gifting basis. And so for me, I sort of just made a master list of, at this point, years into it, the list is probably like 2000 influencers long of like everyone from, you know, the Kardashians and Jessica Alba and Kristen Bell and like all these celebrities to, you know, major influencers like Amanda Klutz or the Bachelor folks you know, to lower micro influencers, what have you. And so we just kind of reached out to all these people, offered to gift them a bundle. We were really transparent. And like, this is a new company. I am a one like mom on my maternity leave. Like, can I just send you these smoothies and see what you think and get your feedback? Because honestly, like that's all you can really ask for when you're doing a gifting campaign. You can't force someone to post. You can't, you know, they're trying to do their job. You're trying to do yours. And that's really tough because influencers are not always, you don't have a guarantee that it's going to do anything. I'm like, I've worked with influencers where I paid 10 grand to an influencer with a million followers with the same engagement rates of someone with 10 million followers. I paid 10 grand to each of them. The one with 10 million followers got us two sales. The one with 10 million followers and high engagement and a well-known like household name influencer, two sales the one with 1 million followers and actually a slightly lower engagement rate, same exact identical target audience, identical, got a 65 sales. So it's like, that's, that's going to happen. You <laughs> never know what's going to happen. It's like the wild west with influencers. You have no idea what's going to happen. So with influencers, please, like, don't just aimlessly go spend 10 grand on every influencer you meet. You need to test the waters. You need to gauge their audience. 
And there's lots of ways that I've done this that are kind of just, I've made up as I go along, but gauging the audience of the influencer to make sure that it's going to be effective before you pay them 10 grand when you're a tiny bootstrap brand. But also like gifting campaigns, you know, some influencers, especially smaller ones, would love a gift. If someone drinks a smoothie every day and you're telling them you're going to send them 50 smoothies for free, great. They don't have to go to Erwan for a few months, you know? And so luckily for us, and this is also a great tip that if you have a new product and you just want feedback as well, this is a great way to get it because if those people start posting about your product organically and authentically, you know, you have something good you know that that is a good product. And so when we started to see these influencers organically just posting about our product really authentically and that they love it, you know, they could, Chrissy Teigen could have charged me $300,000, but she didn't. She just posted about it and was like, this is amazing. This is really cool. Have any of you guys heard of this? And it's like, well, there you go. There's our March sales. Yeah. (laughs) Chrissy Teigen thinks we're cool. And so as a small brand, that's a really great way to test if your product is great but also to get the word out there and get customers. So that worked really well for us. And then word of mouth, like refer a friend programs, incentivizing your good customers to tell their friends. Mm -hmm. I love that. I think it's so important. Like you said, be careful of which influencers you work with or vet them yourself, because as I'm also like a content creator myself, and I know like there's so many creators out there that either, I don't want to say like buy followers and buy likes. I mean, some of them do, but even the ones that don't, like they might just not have an engaged audience anymore that doesn't trust them. You know, if everything they do is a sponsorship, like one out of the 10th sponsorship of the week isn't really going to land, even if they have a lot of real followers and engagement. So I think it's like really important. That blows my mind that the person with 10 million only brought in two sales. Two, two sales. And it was a long form video on her stories with a link to purchase and a code. That's crazy. It was like, I was baffled. And then I talked to her about it and she's like, sorry, but can we get more smoothies? Because my daughter drinks it every day. And I was like, no. (laughs) What? You can use your code. You can be the third sale. (laughs) Like, uh, I think you can buy enough smoothies. The check I just cut you. (laughs) Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, so many influencers. And like, I'm saying this as an influencer myself, but so many influencers will ask small businesses for free stuff all the time. And it's like, okay, I understand if you post about them, like it makes sense for you to get something gifted. But when that has Mm -hmm. happened once and clearly it didn't work, like why would someone continue to send you free stuff? That's a cut out of their like margin. Like that's, even if it's, oh, you're not paying them. Like they have to ship it. They have to send you the product. They like that. They have to take time out of their day to send it. Like that's not free. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a big deal for a small business too. And I think like if you're just starting out and you're bootstrapped, you really should set aside some money to send bundles out. And if you don't have a lot of money to send a lot of bundles, if you can't send a thousand bundles out to influencers, like see what you can do and be more selective with the influencers you're sending them to. Don't send them to everyone who asks for it. But you know, if you feel like you have enough money to send 20 bundles a month or something, you can look at, yeah, don't look at followers. Don't, and if yeah. every single post of theirs has about the same number of likes, don't look at that. Like, don't look at them. Or if it's like all the comments are kind of spammy or they're just like emojis. Or the same people. Ads, like every or single. Or the same people commenting 50 times. Yeah. yeah. There's some red flags there. And so really it's like, for me, I look at 
several posts back. And then I just look at their engagement. Like who are the, like, what are people commenting? What are people saying? Are they excited? Is it the same people on every post? Is it, you know, that people are really engaging with the types of content that that would be? Cause sometimes you see people where it's like, they'll post a bikini photo of themselves. And that's the other thing. If it's a girl with a bunch of bikini photos and stuff, like you want the breakdown of men versus women. Follow. Yeah. Because if you have a female targeting product, you'll see that like 75% of her followers are men. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, this isn't going to land. But, you know, looking at things like if you have a food product and they sometimes post recipes and they sometimes post pictures of their kids. And when they post a picture of their kids, it's like 10,000 likes and 300 comments. And they post a recipe and it's like 50 comments and 1,000 likes. You can kind of tell that like maybe your food product isn't the best fit. Mm-hmm. Right, right. How big is your team right now? I just did a bunch of hiring. Five, six, seven, eight, eleven. Eleven people. Wow, that's awesome. I'm really, what, I'm really terrible. I should know that. <laughs> um, what year did you start? 2019, February 2019. That's awesome, though. I think it's so cool to see like the growth. Because like, in 2019, when you were on your maternity leave, I'm sure that you never envisioned. Or maybe you did, but you know, it was like... A few years later, like you'd have 11 people and yeah. you'd be in the target accelerator. Like, that's awesome. Yeah, it's been a wild ride. And it's funny. Like, so I started in my garage on my maternity leave and I literally had my newborn in one of those wraps on my chest while I would make smoothies and stuff in my garage. And I like, she got so used to the lull of the blender. My daughter still loves like this thing, the blenders. But I actually, like a month or two into it, I put on like the Facebook moms group for another mom in my neighborhood. I was like, can someone just come over and help me blend smoothies? Like I just got 50 (laughs) orders and I need to blend. Like each order was for 10 smoothies. I need to blend 500 smoothies this week so I can drive them all over the neighborhood to these people on Saturday. One of the few moms that replied to me literally started coming over to my house and blending smoothies in my garage while her kids were at school. Like her kids go to school right near my house. And like, she would just come over after dropping her kids off at school and help me out and like, you know, hold my baby sometimes, <laughs> things like that. And she's our director of operations now. That's awesome. So she's I been love with us the whole four like years. Yeah. That's she's awesome. amazing. Yeah. I love that. That's so inspiring. And I really loved how honest this conversation was. So thank you so much, Lisa, for coming on my podcast. Thank you so much for having me. This was fun. I just love being able to talk transparently about the business side of things. Yeah. No, it's my favorite topic of conversation, especially as another founder (laughs) myself. Where can they find you? Where can they find Bump and Blends? So Bump and Blends, you can find us bumpandblends.com or Instagram at Bump and Blends or TikTok at Bump and Blends. And you can find me in all those places as well. I'm always on our Instagram and, and on our site. So please reach out, contact us. You can order a bundle. I think you have a code as well for 20% off Yeah, that we'll share. And I think it's just like real, real for 20% off and try our smoothies that help with digestion and anxiety and mood and sleep and sex and all that good stuff. And yeah, I'd love to hear from you guys. Yeah, no, thank you so much. This was incredible. And I promise I have been drinking these smoothies and they are really good. And I don't ever, like, I don't put anything <laughs> else on there. I put like half milk, half water, and then I blend and it's so good. Amazing, right? They're so, yeah. our cookie dough smoothie, my daughter preferred, like my daughter is a major sweet tooth and she likes like she won't do the healthy stuff. She's like, I want a real cookie. I want real stuff. And she thinks our cookie dough smoothie is like real cookie dough. 
And it's just yeah. like chickpeas and oats and stuff. I'm like, okay, girl, eat that. <laughs> no, I love the fruity ones. So I'm more of like a oh, yeah. flavored. Yeah. But no, they're so good. So everyone needs to check it out Thank and you. use my code to get 20% off. <laughs> Thank you so much, Natalie. This is fun. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Real Real. I hope that you enjoyed and don't forget to rate, review, follow, or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. You can follow me personally on Instagram at Natalie Barbu and the podcast at The Real Real Podcast. I'll see you next Monday. Hey, my name is Lovan Roomf, and I've been working my ass off as a celebrity stylist by day and a podcast host by night. At the Low Life Podcast, it's all about keeping it real. We're talking fashion, beauty, to religion, sex, drugs, mental health. I mean, there's no topic off limits here, and vulnerability is mandatory. You can find my podcast, The Low Life, that's L-O, no W, everywhere and anywhere you listen to your podcasts. New episodes are out every Thursday. We'll see you then. Hey there, my name is Renee Rena, and I am the mom friend you have always wanted. I am also the host of the Mom Room Podcast. We publish two episodes per week, a co-hosted episode on Tuesdays and a solo episode on Thursdays. Popular topics include pooping and having sex after giving birth. I have a solo episode where I talk about not sharing a bed with my husband and why that's okay. I hope you'll tune in to these conversations every week. Join us on Instagram at the Mom Room Podcast and start to feel a little less alone in this crazy thing called motherhood.